This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host and author of Aston Villa.wtf. Subscribe. Oh, you've added that. Subscribe <laughs> immediately. It's an essential addition to your email inbox. That's all I can say. Facts. Months before anybody else delivers them. Right, here we are. We are gathered here today. Myself, Mr. Chris Budd and Phil Shaw to honour the third third time he's done it equaled his record mr steven gerrard congratulations you're you have equaled your longest unbeaten run three games an outstanding achievement chris Bud. we're we- aston villa we set the bar low chris bud good evening we are, How we, are, are <laughs> we are we are here to worship uh, gerrard not uh, not belittle his achievements Bisaki bastards no, I'm not being sarky. I, I wanted to be unbeaten after three games I want before, to be unbeaten the, before this forever. game, and he's achieved that. So uh, pipe down, bud. Okay. It's a, an away point. What's your problem? The first of the season. Yeah, first away point of the season. It's got to be the I'm, first time we've had com- consecutive clean sheets in a while. Yeah, well, so what's your problem? I don't I don't understand people's problem. Le- Leeds can't beat us on their patch. It's uh, What is it? They've won once in the last uh, 11 games now at Ellen Road against Villa. Astonishing achievement from Gerard. Oh, sorry, that's Julio, isn't it? Uh, uh, Gerard. <laughs> All right, uh, we will uh, get into uh, the nitty-gritty of uh, the nil-nil. Uh, I did actually say the Paul's panel result. I went for score draw, didn't I? Uh, mm, you did. Missed, missed out there. But I wasn't optimistic as you were predicting a, an away win. But I was predicting the way it should have gone. Your heart was in the right place. That's what I'll say. Your brain still hasn't worked out who you support. I know, <laughs> who, yeah. Who you're dealing with here. It's this cautious optimism <laughs> that'll be the death of me. Yeah, well, we live and learn. Uh, Forrest, what, what are you going for? Oh, God. <laughs> Give me a few days to deliberate. Well, we'll uh, we'll cover that uh, in the something for the weekend uh, before the Forest game. Uh, coming up in the show, we'll get into uh, all the Villa news. Uh, if you were subscribed to AstonVilla.wtf, you'd already know what some of the things we're going to be talking about. Before getting into the three points, a bit more serious this time. There's no kind of wild card, uh, wacky one uh, in this uh, three-point offering. Before uh, seeing what uh, Phil Shaw's dug up in the medium Muppets, I never checked what Phil Shaw's dug up in the medium Muppets. So that is a bit of a wild card. It's yeah. a bit, bit of a loophole in the show. I must kind of close that off <laughs> with a bit of research, maybe, on my part. Uh, before we get back into uh, what went down at Allen Road. Right, it's news time, uh, I think, to get things going. Are we talking about World War Three yet? Uh, oh, is can that, we not? Hasn't that officially uh. started? Is that officially started yet? No, but that's going to be its own podcast, isn't it? So. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think it's time for some villain news. First off in the Villa News, uh, the second officer involved in the death of uh, Dalian Atkinson. Uh, you may remember there was a female and male uh, police uh, person. Uh, they were actually in a relationship at the time, uh, but Mary Ellen 
Beckley Smith was found not guilty of assaulting uh, Atkinson. Despite hitting him with a baton, uh, her partner, Benjamin Monk, was jailed in uh, 2021 for manslaughter. By the time you listen to this, uh, myself uh, within the fan consultation group will have seen the, I think at the moment, the builders, the final designs uh, of the new club crest before they uh, go out to uh, the supporter base for uh, a vote, actually. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if there's any amendments needed before it goes to that vote. All I hope for is uh, how many there is. If there's four, there's five. They're all like proper contenders and it's not like there's only one you can choose from because the rest are crap, if you know what I mean. You're hoping for a lot. Yes. I was cautiously optimistic after the first meeting as I've uh, as I've written elsewhere. But, but the second uh, meeting, uh, a few alarm bells, but uh, never mind. Moving on, uh, if you have already subscribed to AstonVilla.WTF, you already know the, what I'm about to say. If you haven't, get to it. Frictionless kiosk. Chris Bud can't wait. I am it's coming. At fever pitch. It's coming. Frictionless kiosk, if you don't know what the hell that is, uh, basically you uh, tap your card, your credit card or your bank card, the gate opens, you walk in, you pick up a pint if it's pre-poured. Potentially you might pour your own, but I don't, I don't see that happening. No. Seriously, I don't see that happen. I think it's, at the moment, uh, this is operating in uh, King Power Stadium and it looks, from the video I've seen, to be a pre-poured thing. Anyway, you pick it up, pick up a pie or whatever you want and walk out. Simple as that. No uh, interactions. Apparently the average uh, time through this kiosk is meant to be 15 seconds, which compares to currently, once you've waited uh, how many bloody minutes you have to wait in a villa park concourse queue once you're being served apparently it takes on average 48 seconds so uh you're slashing half a minute off the off the average so hopefully this this will work uh, i know uh, when leicester tested it it was actually at the community shield uh liverpool Ma- uh, manchester city and it was actually in the liverpool end that's the first time uh, it was ever tested and of course uh, liverpool fans uh, let's say there was a few transgressions and they took liberties with it and although uh didn't exactly uh make leicester happy on the day it gave them food for thought and how to uh, improve and tighten up the system but as- essentially it's, it's like Amazon and fresh stores i think they're in london mainly i've personally been in one myself so fingers crossed that works and uh it'll probably start to be rolled out uh, especially in the north stand uh, once that's built and you'd imagine on the the lower trinity as well but the problem is it does it's costing half a million pounds in the region off so uh, it's not a cheap exercise but watch out for that Villa Leicester, February next year, should be up and running. Uh, Also, uh, Safety Advisory Group has uh, been consulted by Villa for, uh, and this is like the local council uh, that have to give green light these things, for uh, rail seating, aka safe standing as they used to call it, in the Upper Holt and uh, Upper Doug Ellis. I still actually don't know the reasoning behind the Upper Doug Ellis. I mean, the Upper Holt is because of the persistent standing up there, you know, K4, K3. And they just see that as just a natural, you know, you put in the the rail seat and everybody who uh, brings the noise and stands there will be in almost like their natural element. And uh, you can see the logic there. Going back a few years, we were looking at Lower Holt, the wings of the Lower Holt. And, I, you know, I, I thought Lower Holt would be a good thing because you bring in atmosphere. I'd have done the whole lot down there. Yeah. But uh, I'm I closer think, to the pitch. But then, uh, then you, you know, you have to talk about migration of uh, the people that actually bring the noise, which would be the Upper Holt. Would they want to move? So uh, would they just stay where they are? And then there's still that persistent standing problem. So that, I can see why they're doing it up there. I, Doug, Upper Doug Ellis, I don't quite get that, but uh, I'll no. uh, I'll find that one out. Actually, I'll ask them because most of the teams who I who I gather have done it, they've they've done it in lower tiers, haven't they? Yeah. So we'd pro- would we be probably one of the first if we did it to do it in an upper tier? I'd have thought. Meanwhile, uh, across the uh, the Villaverse, uh, Villa under twenty threes uh, took a bit of a uh, humbling six uh, two to West Brom, their feeder club. Which yeah, just create that unfortunate narrative where they sell us their uh, best prospects and then beat us anyway. 
well, Hammond and then we ruined them for them. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously a lot of uh, the under-23s uh, have gone out on loan and uh, various other excuses, but still not a not a good look. Uh, meanwhile, uh, a good result this, because I didn't actually expect, in, in the Villa women's team, they, they played in the Conti Cup. Don't ask me what that's all about. It's, it's another group stage. I think it's just because the Women's Super League is quite small in terms of uh, only 12 teams that they have a cup competition, which is actually like a league group stage thing, just to kind of pad out the season a bit. It was expected that both Manchester United and Villa would uh, rest a few players, which they did. But still, there was some, you know, your Lehmans, your Dailies were, were still playing. Good draw at the end with daily scoring again she she reminds me of david platt that kind of impact where she's like a banker you you know yeah. mm. you know she's going to score it's like what platt used to do fortunately platt scores penalties though and uh, unfortunately oh daily missed hers in that shootout which uh, they have a shootout it's like a bonus point it's a bit kind of american-esque there's five teams in the league i think they've also got durham uh, sheffield uh, women as well I think Everton as well off the top of my head. And uh, Manchester United. So three points for a win, one point for a draw. But if it's a draw, they have a penalty shootout. And if you win that penalty shootout, it's you get a bonus point. What do you think of that concept? I mean, I kind of like the idea of a bonus point, but more like when you get in rugby, you know, when if you score by a certain margin or if you score X <laughs> amount of goals, I kind of like that because it, it, it sort of... Well, cricket do it also, Yeah, it, it contributes achieving more in the game should we say because you won on penalties shouldn't it be like you won on the last resort it's kind of why do you get a bonus point for winning on penalties as opposed to in 90 minutes let me rephrase this question uh, would you have liked to have seen a penalty shooter after the nil-nil against Leeds for a bonus mm-hmm. point I don't think mm-hmm. anyone I was would. deserving of a bonus point <laughs> but, you, but we'll take what we can get I would. Although, how many shots did we have? Uh, I don't fancy our chances. I don't fancy our chances in the penalty shootout. <laughs> so that their goalie was crap. Uh, anyway, so uh, Villa won that, uh, won the penalty shootout 4-3. Uh, their uh, Kiwi keeper, new signing, Anna Leet, saved uh, four penalties. So uh, a good start for her. Right, Manchester United uh, Cup tickets... Uh, will be on sale by the time you listen to this to uh, members. Potential uh, for a, a few of them to be on sale, general sales. So uh, if that's your status and you want to go, uh, keep your eyeballs on that and uh, you may have a chance because I don't know how many, 5,000 have sold out of the seven and a half? Something like that, yeah. Because there's a couple of blocks left, isn't there? And there's mm-hmm. about at least a 1,000 a block. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Mr. as we said in uh, something for the weekend, uh, Chris uh, attended the uh, the trust AGM with uh, Christian Perslow who did a Q&A. I think you were invited by a mutual friend uh, but if you want to listen to uh, what was said there, just listen to the, the previous show, the uh, something for the weekend show that uh, should be listed before this one. Alright uh, one, one interesting thing before this, uh, before the Leeds game was, <laughs> I couldn't quite believe it when I saw it. Chris, you sent me actually. Pictures of uh, Conservative MPs playing at Villa Park, you know, that's that's one thing. But uh, the fact that uh, several Aston Villa fans, families, had uh, pre-booked Villa Park stadium tours only to get to the stadium to say, oh, sorry, yeah, uh, you, you can't do it because... Uh, the MPs are playing the lobby. The MPs mm. are playing the lobby, which is kind of like press. Uh, so uh, see you later. Now, we all know how great Aston Villa are at communicating things. And they do love a PR own goal. Yeah, I mean, we can debate letting the the government play on the pitch after, I think it's the worst opinion polls currently, or the biggest lead there's been for ages, and uh, not the most popular uh, visitors to uh, Villa Park. No, I mean no. you. And you kind of when you when you go into the broader context, you do unfortunately kind of get it though, don't you? When Villa are trying to get as much support at government level for their redevelopment and especially the redevelopment of Witten Station, which, as Perslow has said himself, Villa won't break ground until they've got assurances of infrastructure. Yeah. Also, Villa need Villa Park needs to be, A, in the Euros bid, the UK and, I don't know if it's UK and Ireland's Euros bid, and also they need to win the Euros bid. And that's a government... Uh, when I put up this news... And the pictures of, of this game taking place, people said, oh, well, local council decide it. It's got nothing to do with like national politicians. And uh, it's like, there's a bigger picture here. There's a lot of things have to happen 
for that North Stand to be built. It's not just three or four crusty Labour councillors sitting around the table signing off on it and going, oh yeah, good luck, go ahead. As we just said, that Euros bid must be won. And you've got to get additional financing for it. Villa Park at the moment cannot host the Euros game as it is. It falls down on a few things. So it needs that revamp to be a top-notch stadium. And then the uh, the train uh, situation is something that's not, you know, just local, couple of local councillors doing it. There's a big, big picture here. And, you know, we've spoken about this in, in that newsletter and on the podcast all the time. So it's not just uh, as simple as some people uh, kind of point out. So, yeah, so this was, you know, it's, uh, as you said, uh, personally, was saying he was he was at Downing Street. Is that what you said? Yeah, he'd been, yeah, he'd been down at Downing Street, I think, on the Thursday night. So it was obviously a bit of a... Let's be honest, the whole thing just stinks of it's a bit of a sweetener, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's more than a coincidence. So it's all part of the, the you know, the bigger picture. So it's like, uh, I mean, if, if you're not a, a Tory, then, you know, you'd class it as getting in bed with the devil to, uh, it's, it's a foistian pact to get the North <laughs> Stand. <laughs> but it's maybe a necessary evil. Because the narrative at the moment of, yeah, we're having a new North Stand, yippee! It's not, not that simple. We're not. There's so much things. A macroeconomic situation. Contractors getting someone to actually yeah. build the fucking things. Getting, well, getting someone well, yeah. to this is a macroeconomic situation where, you know, major contractors aren't actually quoting for jobs now because they don't want to be out of pocket if costs go up further. And, you know, we have to use, uh, there's only three cranes in the whole of Europe that can actually lift the roof on the top. There's all these uh, permutations. It's, and it's also potentially the most ex, you know, expensive time to uh, have such a uh, infrastructure built as a, you know, as a stadium. Right, it's time for uh, hopefully a swifter medium up uh, to last week. Because last week we did a 20, like a 15 minute version. We digressed off talking about Southgate, which we, I edited out the main show. But if you remember, uh, I put it up as a uh, there was a outtake show of just under 20 minutes of uh, stuff that I took out so uh, if you're a member you can listen to that if you're not then uh, jolly well sign up and be a member so uh, are we going for a short medium muppets this week uh, Mr. Yes. Phil Shaw yes we are right let's run the uh, the theme tune <laughs> Right, what's in the short and medium Muppets trough this week? Well, we're back to the battery hens of the Birmingham Mail. We put out this timely mm. piece just before the Leeds game with the headline, The Number One Thing, Ollie Watkins Addresses Aston Villa Form with a Goal Vow. So with a headline like that, you're thinking Watkins' number one thing has to be scoring goals. Ollie Watkins Addresses Aston Villa Form with a Goal Vow. It's a bit of a strange headline, but anyway, carry on. You'd think it has to be him scoring goals, but yeah, no. be a few quotes about him saying, "Yeah, I must score more goals." Uh, been underperforming this season, blah blah blah. Oh, you'd think that, but you'd be wrong again. The Birmingham Mail just is this way of making it, just making up headlines. It's a piece from an interview he did with Villa TV. The actual words he had were, "I feel like I've been playing well. The number one thing is always working hard when I go on the pitch." So he makes no goal vow, which is maybe a good thing after the Leeds game. But he says. <laughs> um, he, just he says, doesn't trust himself, does he? No, so he doesn't. So he's not making any goal fouls. <laughs> no, and he really doesn't trust himself as you go on. He, he just says, if I'm not scoring what I am bringing to the team, um, so if I'm not scoring, I just need to put myself about and make sure that everyone can see that I'm working hard and doing my best. So, <laughs> come on, Ollie, I want to see a bit more confidence from you there. It's not, <laughs> he's not selling himself. But the headlines aren't getting any more truthful. What's next? Well, I did find another one. It's uh, Juventus and Napoli cannot match what Aston Villa have done this season. But I'll save you a click. It's just their average attendances, so there's no need to go near that one. It's material just for clicks. That's all it is. It's for advertising clicks. It's not. It doesn't need to exist, and uh, you know we all know that. But people still fall for this. Uh, you know, they're like it's like cattle or lemmings just falling off the edge of a cliff, throwing themselves. I thought you might get our, our favourite Jack Grealish uh, Stan, who uh, is still training away and uh, churning out uh, is it daily or weekly uh, Jack Grealish stories uh, hourly hourly yes no exactly that right on to the three points unfortunate scenes uh, in Indonesia uh, point number one at least uh, this uh, time of recording this 125 uh, people have died uh, in a crush in an Indonesian uh, football match that uh this is potentially one of the worst. I think it's uh, second to uh, 320 people that were killed 
and there was about a thousand injured as well during a stampede at a Peru Argentinian uh, Olympic uh, qualifier in Lima uh, back in uh, 1964. I think that's the uh, in terms of death toll. That's number one in terms of the tally. So this this is a number two. Uh, well, you just need to be over 100, I think, for that. Uh, it all kicked off when Arima FC lost two, uh, 3-2 to uh, rivals Perspeyer Sarabaya in East Java. Is it like the first time they've lost for 23 games or something? They're not used to losing. I, I don't know the exact context of the game, but I do know that uh, they sold over like 4,000 over the tickets over the capacity, which uh, is a potential recipe for disaster. But then you see uh, some of the scenes, there's like police vans upside down, there's tear gas, there's uh, it's a kind of carnage. It, it got completely nasty. And uh, that, that is why uh, Villa and Leeds players were wearing uh, black armbands uh, for the game uh, on Sunday. Point number two comes from uh, The Guardian that uh, has uh, got an internal document that shows clubs have been taking a cut of money their fan own fans lose with the bookmaker Skybet. The document states clubs were entitled to a share of the losses from accounts registered to the club name via the club name uh, to Skybet through their uh, affiliate partnership. Uh, I mean, essentially how this uh, works is uh, when you sign up to a, a betting company through an affiliate link, so Skybet in this case, you would uh, earn money on uh, the losses of people that sign up. The EFL, for example, I've said this arrangement, which has lasted six years, was scrapped at the start of the 2019-20 season, but admitted some clubs were still receiving funds under uh, legacy contracts and would continue cashing in until the end of the 23-24 season. Now they're trying to... uh, get the Premier League clubs to admit whether they are actually cashing in on fans losing money through signing up to betting companies like Skybet. I think it's it's the optics of, you know, clubs profiting from their own fans, like losses. Exactly, yeah. I just assume they took upfront sponsorship money and that was it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Point number three. This one's almost like written for Villa. Uh, European clubs now are paying a record high price for injuries to their top players. Uh, Last season, according to a report by international insurance brokers Howden, they calculated injury costs by multiplying the cost per day of a player using base salary data from Sporting Intelligence by the number of days they were unable unable to play due to injury. The Premier League had the highest injury cost count of any of the top five divisions at 184.57 million with La Liga in Spain a distant second on 109.34 million. Injuries in the Premier League were up 1,231 in uh, 21-22 season compared to 938 the season before. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're going to be the highest injury cost because of the wages. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you take the average wage probably across all the Premier League clubs, it's going to be a lot higher than any of the other leagues. So not really a big headline there. It's probably the most interesting thing. But there was a, a, a bit, quite a sizable percentage uh, difference in terms of injuries uh, compared to, uh, I think the season before that was the closed door season, wasn't it? Yep. But uh, that injury cost, I think 75% of that is Aston Villa defenders, isn't it? It's <laughs> just our back four, yeah. Right, uh, before we go on with the show, uh, I just want to give a big shout out to uh, the My Old Man Said members. And a thank you to all those who joined us uh, for Match Club uh, for the Leeds game. And uh, we will see you uh, also for the uh, the Forest game as well. We have... Uh, live virtual meetups for the away games uh, if we're not at them uh, so we can all gather around virtually uh, and exchange our angst throughout the 90 minutes and uh, we also you know it's, it's like a live podcast before at halftime and after the game as well uh, essentially as well as uh, having access to those uh, of course uh, you have access to the uh, 
the, the Match Club server as well, which is a 24-7 kind of uh, meetup affair. You get access to extra shows. There's a few of those coming in the next few days and uh, ad-free versions of the podcast as well. A big thank you to uh, Mr. Dan Morrison, who uh, signed up uh, over the weekend. Uh, I can't remember if I said thanks to uh, Stuart Heggs. Uh, I, I probably did, but I'll say thank you again. Uh, also, if you uh, do sign up uh Annually, you uh, do save 10%, which is uh, just over a month free as well. And uh, also new uh, is the subscription runs from the day you uh, subscribe and it's uh, monthly after that before uh, you would get billed at the start of every month. So, uh, for example, if you signed up in the middle of a month, then uh, you would be billed like two weeks later at the start of the next month. Now, patrons finally seen sense, and so they're doing monthly uh, subscriptions. So everybody's got like different dates. It's basically whenever you, uh, the day you sign up. Uh, so please do go to myomansaid.com, click on the members link for more details. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There. So, you've got Chris Budd, Phil Shaw, five minutes to talk about this Leeds game. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm sure we'll waffle on for longer. but uh, <laughs> Call it 10. The, <laughs> 12. Uh, the context of this game, uh, this was it's opportunity knocks. I mean, yes, uh, zero points away from home this season. That needed to change. But uh, as we've discussed in previous shows, uh, if you look at the October lineup, yeah, there's, could there's be worse. big room of opportunity there. I mean, it's a full spectrum. It could still go tits up because individually there's reasons why we could lose every one of the games. But also, if we got our act together, you'd fancy we could get things out of it. One thing we were looking at is... Despite all these defensive injuries, uh, would the improvement in the defensive organisation continue? Or you know, was that just a couple of games blip? And would we uh, be throwing away cheap points again? Obviously, Ludwig Augustinsson came in, so all eyes are on him. As if he was half decent, then this could be uh, the answer with Matty Cash coming back in the right-back position, potentially uh, for the Forest game. Touch Woods, he's back in training uh, on Monday because uh, Lucas Dean will be out for uh, probably most of the games in October. Yeah, yeah, you'd think it'll be a few more weeks. Meanwhile, Leeds were unbeaten at home with two decent wins, uh, especially the Chelsea 3-0. So uh, it wasn't going to be easy. I think we predicted that it would be, uh, let's say, a, a niggly, feisty... Uh, Low-scoring affair, It's yeah. always feisty against Leeds. It seems it, to be now. It didn't used to be. It is now. Over the last few years, uh, for sure. But uh, also uh, that it was... It, this wasn't going to be... Uh, I mean, Jesse, Jesse Marsh has had more time now, so uh, it's a bit of a different proposition because we, we were his first game last time, weren't we? So we caught him on the hop. Mm. And Leeds were awful in that game, weren't they? Yeah, before he had time to uh, actually establish or do anything. So uh, this was always going to be a bit more difficult. But at the same time, uh, I mean, well, you you went for the away win, and you know, I I, I wanted to go for that, but I'd, you know, I, then I remembered who I was supporting. <laughs> but 
you were hoping you'd seen enough that Villa could actually grind something out of this, and uh, they were close. I mean, they should have done. Yeah, frankly, they should they should have ground it out. I didn't I didn't expect us to go there and go and win three 0 again like the previous year, where I thought Leeds were just horrendously naive defensively. Early doors, it was looking like uh, there was going to be a red card in this game. Oh yeah, big time! All, all uh, we, through the first half, and all half. money was on L- Ludwig Augustinsson. Well, he was booked in the first five minutes or so. You thought, oh no! <laughs> I mean, he was either going to score the winner in this game, or is he, he was going to get sent off. That was, uh, but none of the above. Uh, he, he didn't actually last ninety minutes, but that's <laughs> no. a different matter. No, none of the above. He he went his own route. He he, he found another way to uh, do a Villa, and that's what you've got to do in these games. You've got to find a way. <laughs> <laughs> he found a way to uh, by hook or by crook. Biggest big opportunity for him. He'd been on the sidelines, came on, you know, on loan. Here's his chance. Dean's out for oh, he's probably the best part of a month, and he thought, well, I, I quite like Dean. I'm going to join him in the treatment yeah. room. Yeah, he's thinking I'm going to miss my mates <laughs> over the next few weeks. It's going to be really good bants in the uh, on the treatment table. Yeah, twang <laughs> in the defensive uh, treatment room. They've got their own branch now. They've got a nice little outbuilding at the, the other side of the complex. It's a, it's a shame for him because in his brief time... He was time, doing all right. Yeah, he was, he was doing, doing all right. Okay. Because he just, he was like, he was like Dean, he played like him, but there was he was just like sort of like like a 75% Dean. He wasn't just as gung-ho forward and he's, yeah. he is a bit taller. So he, he was, after that shaky first six minutes, he he was fine. He didn't well, do... He grew really, into his role, didn't yeah. he? He got a few tackles in there and, you know, he, he broke them down a couple of times and he thought, yeah, actually, he's, he's okay. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> see you next year. See you next... Well, no, you won't see him That's him. That's him gone, sorry. Uh, when they build a statue, they'll put 21 touches three aerials one that's what they'll say (laughs) (laughs) went back to Spain oh dear Uh, what was the highlights for you in the first half I would think my highlight was Villa being able to sort of like stand up give as good as they get as far as the they did they gave their some battling qualities and um, that, that was the main plus kept, point kept, straight kept away, their heads really it? throughout, yeah. Because Leeds were like, ah, oh, shit, this is similar kind of high-octane physical stuff to Bielsa. But we were uh, matching it, but actually ma- matching it in a 50-50 kind of way. It was like, can this team grind out? Can this team, is it up for the the dirty, uh, let's say, more nasty affairs? Which we've doubt, you know, we've questioned them. We, you know, when Young came in, we thought, ah, finally some, you know, shit house, somebody who's uh, got a bit about him. We know that Mings is up for the fight, but... Uh, across the board it was uh, it was like respectable it was like yeah we, we're actually toe to toe here not in a football sense uh, you know oh, it was a dreadful first half it was more uh, the feisty uh, kind of nastiness and you know they picked up three yellow cards within the space of uh, what is it like less than 15 minutes uh, the back end of the first half well they were starting to get very frustrated very quickly and then the fans just, just sort of got right after the ref straight away yeah, and that's when you sense. That's when you start to sense. Actually, if there's going to be a red card, then uh, this is starting to set up nicely. They're getting frustrated. They're picking up yellow cards. Villa are staying in this and actually creating the better opportunities. We did have a few openings in the first half. As for all of it being a bit of a shit first half of football, we actually had a few sort of half chances. No real big ones, but you. Th- because was it half yeah, time that we had five five shots? When we got on, on the ball, yeah, got in the yeah. final third, we looked pretty likely to make something happen. Yeah, half time. I think it was five shots on target, and they had zero. Yeah, Watkins had one save, but Leeds' keeper, who Leeds' keeper, like you said, David, he, he is an annoying thing because he can't he can't catch across. He flaps it all across. He, he was but, looking a bit shaky, wasn't yeah. he? Just a shot stopper, isn't he? Yeah, but when it comes to shot stopping, he gets lucky. He put makes himself big. <laughs> he and gets lucky. He does get lucky. <laughs> like it comes off his shin, comes off of his calf, and it's usually with his legs. And it's just somehow he either goes past the poster. He does enough. Bit of a De Gea type vibe to him. But at sort of half time, you know, you're frustrated, but you you you, you sort of take it knowing you were coming to Ellen Road expecting a difficult game and you kind of had one but probably not in the manner you expected I think once we got past that first 20 minutes we kind of weathered it you thought yeah we can grow into the game here and did a little bit yeah well I mean let's address the uh, the first the main event was when Sinistera got sent off and then you're starting to rub your hands but with Villa I mean this is mainly through Dean Smith's uh, incapability of beating 10 men team at that point, I was rubbing my hands thinking, I don't think we're going to lose this now. Normally, when you go down, a team goes to 10 men and there's pretty much a whole half to play, you're thinking, right, we're going to win this now. But that wasn't my default position. I thought, we should win this now, but mm. I don't yeah. think we're going to lose it now. And didn't and didn't really look like we were going to. You know, Leeds had maybe one or two soir, you know, little saunters into our box, but 
didn't do a lot. Very similar to Southampton, really. We, the only way we were going to lose that game is if we were our own worst enemy, which, as we know, we often are. So my question, I mean, obviously we're in hindsight here. Do you think that, uh, bearing in mind at this stage, it's, and it's early doors in the second half, we're, we're up a man. Do you mm-hmm. think uh, Gerard was as proactive and, let's say, ruthless enough in his substitutions in terms of going for it than he should have been because the first substitution was the obligatory you know 60 minute markish Buendia comes on and mm-hmm. uh, he came on for Bailey and then nothing else apart from seven minutes to go he put on Ings uh, instead of Ramsey yeah the first one I think okay fair enough but I'm, I'm thinking that Ings or Archer should be coming on 20 minutes to go at the latest yeah I mean Buendia came on and did give us his usual impetus I thought he did really well it was good to see him and Coutinho actually getting space to play in and making things happen and you're thinking I wonder if Gerard thought I'll bring Buendia on I'll get a bit of en- um, sort of energy into the team a little bit more dynamism in and around the penalty area and we should get the first goal if we do I think we would have potentially run through him because I think as soon as Leeds would have had to open up any more yeah. it would have given the likes of yeah. you know the two of them space Watkins run to run in the space to run into etc Ramsey all these kind of guys who want to run into the box but then you get into the seventieth, seventy-five, and then you're almost mark. starting to chase the game. And then the the goal the goalposts change slightly in terms of how you've got to play. It leads are dropping deeper and deeper, and defending reasonably resolutely. You have to say. But I was thinking that there was a couple there was a couple of times where we had a chance, and this is where I'm thinking there should have been another striker on earlier on. I, I can't remember if it was a Watkins header or something where the keeper saves it, but he's parrying it out, and he's parrying it out into to free space where potentially a second striker could have been hovering mm-hmm. and that and was my you- only thing because they were defending tight and blocking off that middle and we you know we had players trying to play through the middle but as just, we do i was yeah as we do and i was just thinking i think we needed a second stream we can roll a dice there are a man down we can put a second striker on and uh go for it but i just think you bring in ings on with seven minutes to go i, I don't think that's uh it's a bit desperate by that point. Yeah, it's- I mean, your biggest chance, obviously, is that you know the, the a really really good Bailey cross. Coutinho hits the post with a great effort, and then Watkins sort of fluffs his lines from close range. Probably either wasn't anticipating it or what I don't know. But you think with that chance, Ings buries that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is another this caveat by saying uh, you know Ings and let's say Archer, natural goal scorers. I would I would use that term on them above Watkins. So, Watkins all round game, as we've said numerous times, we really like. Yeah, we are talking about natural goal scorers. If yeah. you get that one chance, which is probably the only way this game's going to swing, mm-hmm. I would have those on the pitch or one of them at least. Uh, Early, I mean, I think 70 minutes, uh, even you know, with hindsight, forget hindsight, 70 minutes, I would have been bringing on another striker. Especially yeah. when, for example, if you brought Ings on with 20 to go and you score with 10 to go, you can then potentially just hook Watkins and bring in like uh, a Dendonka and just shore up the middle and go, actually, we're going to control the game here and we'll hit him on the break. The, the main point is we have to score a goal. I mean, regardless yeah. of what happens after, it's the how is the best way to do that? And I, and I think he just waited to, he almost played it too cool. He thought we were going to, oh, yeah, of course, we'll, we'll, no, we'll get a chance, we'll take it. I've got, I've got Buendia, I've got Coutinho, etc. And to be fair, when we did make chances, was it 19 yeah. shots in the end, we should have buried one of them. Yeah. We did more than enough. Chris is right. We, this is, and it might sound like a defence of Jared, but did he need to change it whenever the chances were coming? Maybe one big chance every five minutes and they just weren't being taken. I mean, there's one, the one that I think of is Konza from a corner. I mean, the, the keeper come out, fluffed it again. Konza's, what, two yards out and heads it wide. And that's, that doesn't get spoke of as much as the three, maybe four that Watkins should have done better with. Well, what's fr- what's starting to frustrate me is these midweek training videos of Coutinho bending it into the top hand corner and uh, you know other players uh, scoring from outside the eighteen yard box. And how many attempts did they have outside the eighteen yard box? And Coutinho pretty much had a similar shot in the p- similar position to the training video that was out midweek. I don't give a fuck what happens in training. <laughs> In terms no. of uh, in terms of uh, trying to get engagement with, can we uh, caveat that as well? By in any of those videos, is there a defender throwing themselves at the ball? No, I think not. <sighs> it's just frustrating. And you know, I, put, I think I put out on Facebook. I said, can these forwards earn their wages? And uh, what I meant by that is, uh, can you score? It's like somebody said, oh, it's a bit harsh on Buendia. And I said, well, no, no. The the emphasis of the message is uh, please one of you and you know, 20 minutes to go or whatever please one of you earn your wages and score because uh only two teams have scored less 
this season than Aston Villa, uh, West Ham and Wolves. Uh, and Which we've, is criminal when you look at our firepower uh, and, and look at the teams that we've played against. How much money we've spent on these players, the Ikatinos, your Buendias, your Ings, your Watkins, and we've scored six goals in eight games. Hats off the defence, even though pretty much the... 90, you know, 80% of the, the starting lineup of our defensive unit, four out of five, if you include uh, Kamara, are out. And now even uh, Augustinson's uh, out as well. And, uh, you know, that was a huge positive. Uh, two clean sheets on the trot. And Bednarak came in. I thought his distribution was first rate. I think he stepped stepped into midfield really well against in that sort of game when you need probably one of your centre-backs to break their press slightly. I thought he did really well. But uh, so that side of the thing is like, even though it's looking a bit dodgy with the injuries, it's like, no, actually they're organised, they're doing well. So it's not as, but it also by the amount of shots we had and the chances we had, this is not a case of we've, we're kind of overcompensating defensively. So we're not getting as many, uh, you know, shots and chances because, you know, we've been through periods under Lambert where you're not having shots on target. You're not even having a corner in a game. This wasn't the case here. We were creating. It was just uh, rubber the green Players really not living up to their reputations in terms of their finishing. I mean, it, it, you could do a uh, almost now a, a YouTube highlight video of uh, one-on-ones involving Ollie Watkins <laughs> and the keeper saving them every time. Yeah. It's it's a, it's decision making because Watkins does well to get into these positions because sometimes it's it's not as if he's been put clean through all the time. He is having to beat a player here, beat a player there, get his way through, and then he, when he gets one-on-one with the keeper it's almost like well I've earned this now I'm going to have the shot he's just not making the right call I mean ones he's, he's trying to square ones that he should be shooting and he's shooting at ones that he, he should be squaring it's just he's, it's just it's not working for him at the minute yeah some I mean some of them uh, the credit has to go to the keeper like uh, you know 100% but also there's an element he's not getting the rub of the green but then there is an element of the decision making uh, there's probably another option here or there in terms of the timing of the shot and, and where he places it so it's a bit of a mix but it's it's there's it's getting to Trezeguet, uh, Trezeguet versus Brighton kind of territory now. Yeah, I mean, I, I I just wonder the the change you're talking about bringing Ings on. It w- you would have had to leave Watkins on as well because Watkins is the number one striker at the minute. You don't want his confidence to go any lower by hooking him for Ings, even you know it might have been the obvious option. He would have had to go out left. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm thinking he put we needed two strikers on there, but just because of that, you know. There was a license to do it because they were down to ten men. You can almost play three five two in that situation. I mean, you bring Ings on what seven eight minutes to go. He had one touch of the ball. It's like it's too little, too late. And the longer you leave it, you know, as you saw with Fulham and Newcastle, Fulham go down to uh, ten men four minutes. It's like uh, that's uh, all they need is one bit of negativity, i.e., a Newcastle goal, and then they start to crumble because they know it's going to be a long day. Now, uh, second half sending off that Leeds got, it's like the time to get them was in that first 15 minutes or so after that red card because every 10 minutes that goes past, their resolve stiffens. And so the earlier you can bring on the striker, the better because by the time Ings came on, they were like, you know, they were they, they could see the finishing line and they were fully focused. Yeah, and the crowd got behind them. I think what happened was Leeds were already frustrated the red came and it was a red it's a stupid bit of play by their lad and then they kept piling into tackles more and more and more picking up yellows picking up fouls and of course it just it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy oh every time we tackle a villa guy they're going to go down and it yeah. lifts the fans and eventually the, the atmosphere turns from frustration to right it's backs against the wall galvanized galvanizes it's a bit of siege mentality which leads have at the best of times anyway and all of a sudden they're like well we ain't going to win this so let's Let's get out, get out of this with a point, and then the fans really get behind the the job in hand. Uh, but they almost did win it because they had a chance. They at had the a death. couple of little chances. Yeah, yeah. Conza with a great tackle, actually. Yeah, twenty three, twenty three fouls to our twelve, actually. Uh, so that kind of shows you uh, who was the bad guys in this uh, encounter. But apparently it was us, wasn't it? According to Jesse Marsh for time wasting. <laughs> I know. I don't know what he's talking about. We didn't even use our timeouts. Yeah, Martinez didn't even feign injury either. But in terms of Villa being aggressive, we are now up there. Uh, I think Fulham and Manchester United have the most yellow cards, 23, and then it's uh, Villa and Forest on 20 each. So uh, the Villa-Forest game should be a uh, a bit of a uh, knees up, to uh, say the least. Well, Villa have a tendency to give stupid yellows away, don't they, for like... The Augustinson one? 
Yeah, well, I mean, he's almost just a, a badly timed tackle. But you get like Bailey and just like silly things. They're not like bad tackles or like, you know, Ashley Young has a tendency, he'll foul. So if he needs to foul them, he'll foul them. It's a bit like a Man City type foul. We don't do that enough. You think sometimes you just have to take the yellow for the good of the, the team. Villa are always mm. more likely to just gift you a silly one, put themselves under pressure needlessly. Well, uh, I mean, Bailey did that. He was kind of took one for the team, but he got substituted straight off anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who got a yellow card in our team was off within, uh, you know, they didn't stay around. I would say we've we've been talking about him again, probably in every podcast. And he had a good game. That was that was the kind of game that suited him. It's combative, wasn't it? Yeah, probably didn't have to be as controlling on the ball, so he just managed to sort of go and yeah. go and battle and scrap him. Yeah, and he had a last minute last ditch block as well at the end, which was a great tackle from him. So, uh, Coutinho, would you be starting him against Forest? He had a decent game. It's, he is an option. I mean, it's the the narrative, of course, is he's Gerard's boy, so everybody hates Gerard, so everybody has to hit, by default hit Coutinho. Then, but he came the closest to scoring with that was a great volley off the. You the haven't corner. answered the question. Would you be starting him against Forest? I would start him with Wendy. Ooh, who's the go full for, go guy? For broke uh, Ramsey. Ooh, Ramsey always plays well when he comes off the bench. Doesn't he? To be fair, as the, as they both do. To be fair. They Ramsey all do. They all. The bench, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put them all on the that's, bench. That's why I'm, I'm pissed off that Gerard didn't bring the subs on earlier. That's they only play well off the bench. But you know, hats off to the uh, the likes of Mings again. Konza Young uh, also had another good game. I mean, he's up for this kind of. Uh, you never used to think about him as somebody who relishes the fight. I think he loves because of his Man United past. He goes to a lot of places and they all hate him now. And he loves it. He loves playing the pantomime <laughs> mm-hmm. villain. That season he spent in Italy learning the dark arts as well. Good lad. But yeah, he's he's been a revelation, Young. Uh, it was quite funny when the underwhelming reaction when we signed him again, as as you know, most people said goodbye to him that because he wasn't uh, on a squad list or, or he was on the release list. But what they didn't realise was uh, anybody whose contract was up at, on that June date was always automatically put on the release list. They were always going to get him back if he was fit enough. And uh, he's kind of been a revelation in terms of uh, zero fee. So bang for buck, probably the best player this season uh, in terms of bang for buck. Oh, it's some, well, you look at it in comparison to the last, what, five, ten years, some of the garbage we've bought for good money. Yeah. Brilliant bit of business. So uh, what we need, we still need to see the upside from these forward guys. We need to see either Buendia grab the situation. He's going to have to do something special, I think, to break in yeah. to be a regular starter here. He's going to have to come off the bench and win a game, basically. Yeah, earn the right and then... St- do it for a couple of other games to really embed himself and and hopefully force a formation. Yeah, he did it against um, Everton. He came on, won the game. He got the start in the next game. Didn't work out for him. Yeah. So he, he already does. He needs to do it more than one game in a row. Three big games ahead. You know, Forest away. You've got to be looking to win that. I think we, I've spoken about it a few times. Chelsea at home. Chelsea aren't at their best at the moment. That's got to be seen as a big opportunity to take a scalp. And then you got Brentford at home, who are sort of in and around where you're going to be. Just one final thing, Coutinho, uh, Chris. You you said uh, in that audience with Persley that he mentioned Coutinho which uh, if you could elaborate on that because that was a bit bizarre uh... yeah so Persley would acknowledge that clearly his form hasn't been there and he acknowledged that Coutinho has acknowledged his form's not there as well which I suppose when you're 29-30 you should be in a position to evaluate your own performance but I think he's he's aware he's frustrated that they maybe haven't got the sort of box office match winner that they thought they were getting which is a bit like we said that from day one you aren't going to get him the one that Barcelona fans were calling a fraud <laughs> that one <laughs> uh, and the one that hadn't hasn't played a lot of football previously you know the previous sort of two years you're going to get flashes from him of course you are but in terms of you know consistent match winning player week in week out we've not seen it yeah I just hope he isn't a, a red herring that uh, distracts us from actually building a proper team with mm. players that are consistent and actually doing the do because yeah. this was a game that you needed somebody like Coutinho to just to dig it out and just you know hit I mean, some, he very nearly did hit it from 25 yards bing bang bosh thanks for the three points see you later and he's going to have to do that to actually uh, well a earn his uh, earn his right to be in the starting lineup but to actually contribute and to be seen as a, a good piece of business or else yes. or else it is a uh, fugazi signing hmm. i mean you could argue if the bar set that low that will he manage to get through 90 minutes that in itself is a, a bit of a breakthrough at the moment right well, now have to wait uh, a little longer for the next game because, as we seem to all the time with Villa nowadays, uh, Forest is a uh, Monday night. Uh, be interested to see how the bookies have that one because they had us like some of them had a three to one outsiders for this game. So uh, not much uh, in the outside neutral world. Fancy Villa, 
I mean, we saw, I mean, we're three unbeaten now. I think, I think if you win, just final point, if you win against Forest, then that unbeaten run actually becomes a, an unbeaten run, if you know what I mean. Dare we say tangible progress? Well, not progress in any sense of the real word, apart from the context of this season, but I would say turning the ship in the right direction. Which, which Gerard said after this game, which I don't agree with. He said, oh, you know, I think we've turned a corner. I'm like, well, let's let's wait and see. Well, it's, it's, it's the old cliche. It's like, if you if you miss out on winning an away game, but unfortunately we've got another away game to, to go, but let's say it's let's say slightly easier than Leeds, then that point against Leeds actually uh, becomes a bit more substantial if you win the next game against Forest, mm-hmm. because then it contributes to a four-game unbeaten uh, run, and then you're actually looking at that as a four-game unbeaten run when you play Chelsea. You, you can actually say it out aloud. Yep. So and then you go and then you go into I said you're going into two games the the run becomes a really big opportunity then yeah well it's a small matter of Chelsea I mean then if you if you get something out of Chelsea and remain unbeaten then you can start saying that you've turned it around Gerard can actually say that aloud and we won't kind of scoff at it right it just leaves me one thing to say if you haven't subscribed already AstonVilla.wtf <laughs> do it don't be don't be a fool don't be left out on the sidelines get real insights also uh please do follow us so if you listen to the show on spotify or apple or whatever glorious podcast app you listen to uh, please do follow so uh you get uh notifications when the show pops so you'll be the first to uh hear it uh if you can, do join us as a member and we'll make it worthwhile. Join our inner circle. My old man said members offering each other mortgage advice the other days. This is how the inner circle works. Many, many levels to it. Who needs Martin Lewis when you got mums? Exactly. Exactly. Indeed. Right. We're off to uh, record a bit of an after show. Uh, we will be discussing uh, the cloud that all these people trying to uh, get Gerard out. This was a, kind of a run-of-the-mill result where you shrug your shoulders, you go nil-nil against Leeds, yeah, whatever. But because of this whole pitchfork Gerard out brigade, you know, which is obviously valid, it's an opinion, uh, does, that seems to cloud the thinking on these individual games. I mean, you know, people were saying, oh, this is dross, boring, you know, crap. It's, it's kind of quite feisty. We had 19 shots. Uh, it's kind of a decent nil-nil as a spectacle, I would say. Red cards, bit of intrigue. So it's not... But the, but the broader narrative doesn't help. Yeah. But, but this broader narrative is uh, a bit damning. But we'll discuss that in uh, the after show uh, 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 as a members only uh, episode. So until next time, I think that will be something for the weekend. It's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.